Thank you, William. If you have your copy of God's Word, I hope and pray that you do. Turn with me to Psalm 100. If you're a guest of ours, we're kind of going through a few uh, select psalms for the summer. And once school gets kicked back off, we're going to spend a couple of weeks um, just going through our mission statement that we will launch on July 31st. And then we're going to dive into a study of Genesis 1 through 11. And when we finish that, we're going to dive into a study of Revelation. So hopefully this next year, we're going to study the beginning and the end together. All right. Psalm 100. Uh, the title of this morning's message is Triumphant Praise to the Lord. Technically, the psalm is anonymous, meaning we don't know the human author, but we certainly know uh, that it was inspired by the Lord. And it's a psalm of praise, calling us to praise the Lord. And so let's read that together. If you're physically able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And so the Lord says to us, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His, His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, and His faithful love endures forever, His faithfulness through all generations. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege you've given us to gather here today and to sing your praises, to fellowship and encourage one another, and to study your word together. Lord, I ask and pray that you would empty me entirely of myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give each of us eyes to see and ears to hear. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks so much. If you would uh, have a seat this morning. Psalm 100. It's interesting. If you'll look closely with me at verse 1, verse 1 kind of stands out by itself, almost, to, almost as if it doesn't belong to the rest of the psalm. Now, that's certainly not true, for we know the Lord inspired this, so we know it's there for a reason, but it just stands differently. It stands on its own apart from the rest of of the psalm. And what I want to do is I want to let verse 1 serve as our introduction to the rest of the passage this morning. Look with me closely. The psalmist writes, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Psalm 98.4 sounds very similar. The psalmist writes, let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Psalm 66 verse 1, let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Psalm 95, verse and one, 1 and 2 that we're going to look at in a minute is, again, very closely related and similar. In each of these verses, the language is referencing all people belonging to the earth's population. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. The psalmist is saying, let the whole earth, let, let everybody from every nation and tribe and people and language shout triumphantly to, the, to, to God, to the Lord. Paul would say it this way in Romans 15 in verse 11. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. I just want to remind you this morning, Scripture is crystal clear that, that our God 
is grand and that he is glorious and that he is majestic, that he is unlike any other and that people from every nation, tribe, and language will sing and shout his praises. It's very interesting. The language both in, in Psalm 100 and Psalm 98 and Psalm 66 as well as Romans 15 there implies that we are not to be subdued in our praise and worship, that we are to shout triumphantly to God in praise and worship, that we are to be jubilant and excited in our praise and worship. I, I want you to just try to picture this. Try, try to wrap your minds around this. I can't, but, but just try. Today, on this Sunday, July the 17th, 2022, our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, just try to think about this, all over the world, okay, met today or will meet later today and will sing and will shout the praises of the one true God. Try to imagine that. Try to wrap your heads around that phenomenal truth. Some of our brothers and sisters are going to meet in underground churches in communist China for fear of their life, but they're going to meet, and they're going to sing, and they're going to shout the praises of God. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are going to meet under a mango tree in Uganda where it's 135 degrees, but they're going to meet, and they're going to sing the praises of God. Some are going to meet in a mud and a manure hut with a thatch roof in Central America. Some are going to meet in ornate cathedrals that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, but they're going to meet. Some are going to meet in places similar to this, and they're going to meet, and they're going to sing, and they're going to shout the praises of the Lord. Do you, do you realize that there is no other occasion where all of humanity has reason to come together and praise something like the Lord? There's no other occasion where the world's people have something in common like the Lord. And you know what? All of us know how to do this. All of us know what this looks like. All of us know what Psalm 100 and verse 1, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. All of us know what this looks like. Matter of fact, all of us are good at it. Let me illustrate. On January 10th, 2022, at approximately 11.57 p.m., most of you did this very thing. Now, some of you are thinking, what on earth happened on January the 10th, 2022 at 11.57 p.m.? I'm going to tell you what happened. The first service knew exactly what I was talking about. Y'all are behind. <laughs> on that night, at that particular time, the clock struck zero and the University of Georgia defeated Alabama for the national championship. <laughs> and most of you, if not all of you, shouted exuberantly, didn't you? You cheered on the Bulldogs. You were ecstatic in your worship. You were triumphant in your worship. <laughs> Are you ready for this? That is the picture Scripture gives us when it talks about giving praise to God, when it talks about worshiping God. That is the energy and the enthusiasm and the exuberance that we are to give to the God of the universe. Like the modern hymn writer said, the worship of God for, for 10,000 reasons. We ought to worship him with that kind of energy and enthusiasm. L listen, church, I, I'm going I'm to step on some toes right now, but you can take some Advil to get over it later. Listen, the worship of God should never be dull or boring or mechanical or subdued. 
Our worship of God ought to be exciting. It ought to be alive. If it's dead and boring, what, what attraction is that? This is a God who is alive, a God who is real, a God who's moving and working, a God who does not sleep or slumber. We ought to be joyful and triumphant and exuberant in our worship of him. So th that's verse 1. That's the introduction there. Now let's dive into the, 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 the meat of the text, beginning in verse 2. Here's the first thing I want you to see is the invitation to worship in song. The psalmist is going to invite us into the presence of God to worship him. And he begins by saying this. Look with me in your notes. He says, serve the Lord. In verse 2, he says, serve the Lord with gladness. The word serve there is a Hebrew word that means to expend considerable energy and intensity. To expend considerable energy and intensity. In Scripture, when the focus of the labor is the Lord, it is a reference to worship, both personal, private, but also corporate worship. You see, in these cases, the word does not have the connotation of toilsome labor, but instead of, of a joyful experience. It ought to be a joy of ours to worship the Lord. That, that's why the psalmist goes on to say, serve the Lord with gladness or with joy. That word gladness literally means jubilation. The word refers to a celebration of something. <laughs> In this case, it is a celebration of God. Friends, listen, that's what worship is. Worship is a celebration of God, of who God is, and all that God has done and is doing and will do. And so you and I have this opportunity by God's grace to come together every week and corporately to celebrate God, to shout triumphantly to the Lord, to make his praises known among the people. And so we come together in worship to serve the Lord. We're invited into that. But notice this, he also invites us to come together to praise the Lord. Look what he says in verse 2. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his courts, enter his presence with praise. Verse 4 again, bless his name. Now, each of these phrases carries the idea of engaging in worship and praise. Listen, William referenced this just a moment ago. God created us to worship him. God created us to praise him, to glorify and honor him. Listen, we are in our most natural element when we are engaging in authentic worship of our Lord and Savior. That, that's when we are in our, in our most natural element, the, the place where God created us, is when we are singing and worshiping and adoring the Lord. I want to share with you a few verses of Scripture. Most of these will not be on the screen, but we're going to dive into one together in just a moment. But just, I want you just to listen to the language that Scripture gives us. Psalm 9, verse 11 Sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations. Psalm 30 and verse 4. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. Psalm 34, verse 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
Psalm 47, verse 1, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. Psalm 68, verse 4, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and celebrate before him. Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3. Hallelujah. Give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples. Psalm 148, verse 11 through 13. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted, his majesty covers the earth. And those are just a few of a hundred verses of scripture that where God calls us to, to, to be a people who praise the Lord, who sing and who shout his praises, who are jubilant and triumphant and who celebrate the Lord. Now look with me. I want you to see Psalm 150. It's interesting. There are 150 Psalms, and this is how God ends his hymn book with this Psalm. Psalm 150. He begins, hallelujah. Now let me just tell you a little bit real quick about that word, hallelujah. It is a compound word in the original Hebrew language. It is made up of the word Hallel and Yahweh, and it literally means you, second person plural imperative, if you're a grammar teacher, you declare the praises of Yahweh. And so the psalmist writes this and says to his readers, to his listeners, you, all of you, declare the praises of Yahweh. That's what the word hallelujah means. And so we read, hallelujah, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the psalmist finishes his hymn book, and he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God delights in the praises of his people. God is honored and glorified through the praises of his people. Now, here's what's very interesting. If you paid close attention to these passages, you may have noticed that praise and proclamation go hand in hand. They are twins who you always find together. Here's what I mean by that. The praise of God will naturally lead to the proclamation of God. If we are a praising people, we will naturally be a proclaiming people. We will be a people who naturally tell others about the Lord. If you, you show me a person who is devoted to praising the Lord, and I'll show you a person who's faithful to share the good news of Christ with those in their influence. You show me a person who, who doesn't praise the Lord, and I'll show you a person who doesn't share the good news either. They go hand in hand. You can't worship the God of the universe 
personally or corporately. You can't sing his praises and not want to tell others about him. They go hand in hand, praise and proclamation. But not only is the engaging of worship honoring to the Lord, listen carefully to me, church, it is encouraging to the body of Christ. It is encouraging to those who are sitting around you this morning. Look with me at Colossians 3 and verse 16. Listen to what Paul writes to the church there in Colossae. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, watch this, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You want to know one of the most encouraging things that the church can do is worship the Lord together. It's encouraging to those around you. It's encouraging to your children. It's encouraging to your spouse. It's encouraging to your, your life group classmates. It's encouraging to the, to the choir and the praise team and the instrumentalists when we participate and we sing the praises of the Lord. We need to be a part of that. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm terrible at singing. I can promise you nobody in this room is worse than me. Happy birthday and amazing grace sound exactly the same to me. I can't tell a difference. I'm tone deaf as tone deaf gets. That's why I sit on the front row so I don't ruin the rest of your experience. But I love to sing the praises of the Lord. I love it. I love to, to praise my Savior. One day it's going to sound good. One day. So encourage one another by praising the Lord together. Sing his praises with us. So we're invited to praise the Lord and worship. Next, though, we're invited to give thanks to the Lord. To give thanks to the Lord. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then again in verse 4, give thanks to him. Church, God calls us and God commands us to be a thankful people. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verses 16 through 18, listen carefully to what God's Word says to us. Rejoice always. Praise always, whichever word you want to use. Pray constantly or without ceasing. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, oftentimes I'm asked, Pastor, what is God's will for my life? Well, here's a beautiful snapshot. You ready? You, you are to rejoice always. You are to pray without ceasing, and you're to give thanks in everything. No, really, what is God's will for my life? You're to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are called to be a thankful people, and gratitude is an integral part of authentic worship. Listen, without a grateful heart, we'll never worship God with authenticity. If we are a people who are never happy, never satisfied, never grateful for what God is doing or has done or will do or how God's blesses, we'll never be a people who worship rightly. Gratitude. Listen carefully to Psalm 95, verse 1 and 2. I referenced this earlier. Listen to the language. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. You see how they go together, how a grateful heart naturally goes together with joyful and triumphant worship. 
In Psalm 106, verse 1, Psalm 107, verse 1, in Psalm 118, verse 1, and verse 29, they all read the same. And here's what God's Word says. Hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Look with me here on the screen at Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. Listen to the heart of David. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to you, to your name, for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. David says, I will give thanks to you. I will sing your praise. I will bow down to your holy temple. Like praise and proclamation go together, praise and thanksgiving also go together. Let's be a grateful people who sing the praises of the Lord. And so the psalmist invites us into the presence of God to worship, but, but then he also gives us several reasons to worship, several reasons to sing the praises of the Lord. Here's the first one. Look with me at verse 3. The Lord is God. Now, you may say, well, that's obvious, but those are different words for the Lord. The word Lord there is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. Verse 3 says, we acknowledge that the Lord is God, that Yahweh, that Jehovah, that the God who revealed himself to Moses by the name Yahweh, that he is God. And so we worship the Lord. We worship Yahweh. We worship Jehovah because he alone is the living and true God. He alone is self-sufficient and self-existent. That he alone is infinitely perfect. That he alone is the giver and the sustainer of life. That he alone governs every aspect of the universe. He alone is eternal. He alone is God and there is no other. We worship the Lord, for He is God. And that's enough. We don't need any other reasons, but the psalmist gives us some additional reasons, so let's just dive into them while we're here. Next, look with me at verse 3. The Lord is our creator. Look, look what the psalmist writes. He made us. The Lord made us. God created us according to His image. He created us according to his likeness. God fashioned us and God molded us and God shaped us. He is the potter and we are the clay and we are created by him and we are created for him. L listen to me this morning. Don't let anyone try to convince you that you are not the result of the creative majesty and genius of Almighty God. You are and you are special and you are unique and you are unlike any other and you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made by God. Look with me at Colossians 1 and verse 16. And look closely at what Scripture teaches us here. For everything was created by Him, by God, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. And so you were created by God and you were created for Him. Next, the Lord is our master. Look at verse 3. We are his, his people. 
Church, we are not our own. We are his. We were bought at a price. We belong to him. He is our master and our ruler. When you and I surrendered in faith to Jesus Christ, what does the Bible tell us? We died to self so that we might live to him. Luke 9 and verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself daily and follow me. We are no longer our own. We belong to the Lord. He is our master. He is in charge of our life. Next, the Lord is our provider. Another reason to worship. Look at verse 3 here. The sheep of his pasture. The sheep of his pasture. Now, just a few weeks ago, we studied the 23rd Psalm, and we studied in detail how the shepherd cares for and provides for the sheep. And that's the primary responsibility of the shepherd, is to care for and to provide for the sheep. The shepherd provides food and water. The shepherd provides shelter, protection, care, compassion, disciplines, guidance, direction. That is the responsibility of the shepherd. The sheep can't do any of that on their own. They're just not very smart animals, right? They can't live on their own. They have to have a shepherd. The Lord is our provider. We can trust him to provide for our every need. We can trust him to shepherd us. Look with me at Psalm 95, verses verse 6 and 7. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Watch this. The sheep under his care. How good is that to know this morning that we are sheep under the care of a good shepherd, a great shepherd, a shepherd who would lay down his life for us. We are under his care. The Lord is our provider. Let's look at another reason to worship the Lord. In verse 5, the Lord is infinitely good. Look what the scripture says. For the Lord is good. What does that mean? It means he is kind and benevolent. It means he's caring and compassionate. It means that he's patient and forgiving. All of those ideas flow from God's goodness. His goodness is inexhaustible. It is never ending. It is without a limit. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. Look with me at Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. Just look closely. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. He is good. He is good. Let's keep going. The Lord is faithful. Look at verse 5. His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. God is loyal. God is trustworthy. God is dependable. God is steadfast. He is unmoving and unchanging. God is faithful and trustworthy for all time and eternity. From generation to generation, he says in verse 5, we can count 
on God. He is faithful. Even when we're faithless, Paul writes to us in Timothy that he is faithful. Now, I want to bring you to a passage of Scripture here. We're not going to read it, but I just, I just want to point it out to you. Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is a very interesting psalm. It is a song of God, a praise of God's eternal love. It's 26 verses, but here's what's so interesting. After every verse, the psalmist repeats the chorus. <laughs> After every single verse. Let, let me just give you a taste of it. We're not going to read it all, but let me just give you a taste of it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. And so forth and so on for 26 verses. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. 26 times the psalmist reminds us that God is faithful. Another reason we sing his praises. Amen. He is faithful. He's faithful. But then finally, the Lord is Savior. Psalm 100 does not explicitly write for us that he is our Savior, but it is implied with the language that is used in the context of knowing the Lord and acknowledging the Lord and understanding that we are his sheep and that he is our shepherd. He is our Savior. He rescues us from our sin. He rescues us from the penalty of our sin. And he brings us into his family. And he forgives us and gives us the wonderful gift of eternal life. He is our Savior. Look with me in Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11. And listen to what the Lord says to us. No God, little g, for there is only one big G God. No God was formed before me, and there will be none after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Acts 4.12 reminds us and teaches us, for there is salvation in no other name. Jesus is the only name by which we might be saved. Jesus. He is the Savior. And so these are some of the reasons to worship. I want to just wrap it up like this. Triumphant worship, verse 1. Triumphant worship is the natural response of a people who have been redeemed. Of a people who have been rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of God and adopted in his family. Triumphant worship is the natural response of a people whom God has rescued from our sin and eternal condemnation and brought us into his family. But not only is it the natural response of a people who have been redeemed, listen carefully, triumphant worship is eternal. Triumphant worship is the activity of the citizens of heaven. God will forever be praised by his people, the redeemed, in this life and in eternity. I, I want you just to get a crypt. Uh, just, just see a glimpse of this from Revelation chapter 7. <laughs> the Apostle John, given that great privilege to see into the hallways of heaven, and here's what he writes for us. In Revelation 7, beginning in verse 9. After this I looked, 
and there was a vast multitude. I, I love that. He didn't just say there was a multitude, which would have been fine. He says there's a, a vast multitude, an emphasis from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. <laughs> so this innumerable throng of people are standing before God's throne and before Christ. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Then all the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Are you ready? Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, what is heaven going to be like? Heaven's going to be just one triumphant praise of the Lord for all of eternity. We're going to worship. We're going to worship greatly and rightly and perfectly. Triumphant praise is the practice of the redeemed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us again to come here together and to gather as this local body of Christ to to sing your praises, to fellowship and encourage one another and to study your word. Lord, what a great privilege it is and let us never take it for granted. And Lord, for our brothers and sisters around the world who had to gather in secret, who had to gather for fear of, of being arrested or beaten or imprisoned, Lord, just continue to strengthen and encourage them today, Lord. I thank you for their faithfulness in spite of great difficulty and challenges. Lord, let their faithfulness be a model and an example for us. Father God, I thank you for the men and women who have been here today, and I thank you, Lord, for how you are moving and working. And Father God, if there is any individual in this room today that has never surrendered in faith to Jesus Christ, I ask and pray that right now, in this moment, that you would grab hold of their heart and their mind and bring them to Jesus. Lord, I ask and I pray with all humility that today would be their day of salvation, that today would be the day they walk from death to life, that today they would unwrap that free gift called salvation that you are presenting them, and it would become their own. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you are not certain of your eternal destiny, you are not certain if you have a relationship with Christ, I would invite you today to begin one. I would invite you today to cry out to him and, and ask him to save you and redeem you. You may be asking, Pastor, how do I do that? What's involved in that? It's remarkably simple. Right where you're seated, just cry out to him. Something along these lines, the, the words are, are not, don't have to be perfect. Lord Jesus, here's my life. I believe you're God's one and only son. I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sin. I believe you rose from the dead victoriously. And right now, as best as I understand, I'm surrendering my life to you, Lord. I want to begin to follow you. I want to begin to sing your praises. I want to begin a relationship with you. Here's my life, Lord, take it. And friend, if you are sincere in that heart's cry, God will indeed redeem you and save you and rescue you.
and bring you into his family and make you a part of his very own. Father God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather together and to sing your praises. Be glorified, be magnified, be exalted in these final few minutes together, Lord, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.